Welcome, everybody. I am so glad that you're able to join us here today. I am Michelle Coupage, the administrator of this group, and today I have a lovely guest, a lovely expert that I know you're going to just really enjoy, if for no other reason it's to listen to her beautiful accent. Um, this is Michelle Mitchell. She is a speaker and an author, um, and a presenter, and she comes to us from Australia, so that's why I say that you'll love to listen to her, um, not just the words that she's going to be telling us, but also just the the sound of her voice is really quite enjoyable. Oh, I, <laughs> I asked Michelle to join us here today because of her area of focus. It's very um, familiar to all of us. She actually speaks to and writes about um, teenage girls, which is obviously what we're all about here. That's a, an issue that's that's present for most of us. And so I just want to, her to jump in here. But Michelle, can you just give us a little bit of your background about, you know, how you kind of came to this particular um, topic and this group of, of, of people? Absolutely, Michelle. I thought they you were going to say they'd love to hear from me because I was called Michelle as well. But <laughs> it would be that easy to get by in here. But yes, I'm all the way from Australia. I started my career as a teacher, which I loved, but I, I really found out that maths and English was probably not my greatest passion. I actually loved the people themselves and I loved working with um, young people. And I found that if they weren't confident, if they didn't know, you know, what was going on inside of them, if they weren't well inside, they weren't going to learn. And so I really delved into this area of well-being. I started a charity after teaching for four years. So I did a four-year degree, taught for four years, and then just launched into, I started a charity, wrote life skills programs, started mentoring young people, and it just built from there. Um, I got some stories in the newspaper and some success and mum started ringing me. And look, we've, we've helped thousands and thousands of young people. I've spoken to over 200,000 um, people throughout Australia and um, written two books and just had the privilege of supporting families and studying psychology clinics and all sorts of things over here. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm very hands-on, I'm very grassroots. I really believe in, in practical strategies that really make a difference in people's homes and I'm, I'm very passionate about making sure people connect and, and can really walk this thing out together. Excellent. I mean, it's just obviously you have the, the hands-on experience of being in the classroom because you also know what you, you see is very different than what we see as parents, you know, and, and our children's behaviors, the, the conversations and things like that. You know, as a parent myself of a teenager, you know, I see the issues firsthand. What are the most common things and um, I guess troubling situations that parents run into um, that, you know, I have my own list, but what, what do you see kind of just broad stroke across the board? The last book I wrote is called Parenting Teenage Girls in the Age of a New Normal. And I actually covered five topics because they were the topics I found that parents were coming to me the most with. So there were disrespect, social media, sexuality, drugs, alcohol, partying, and mood management. And I ran a counselling centre which had 12 staff there, psychologists, counsellors um, and some mentors. And I ran that for quite some time. We saw about 120 families a week and they were definitely the five areas that we saw the most of. And I found there was nothing new under the sun. But even in all those areas, it was how everything was interplaying with social media that was making the biggest difference. So just say something like body image. 
I think we all, at some point in our teenage years, felt uncomfortable with our bodies or compared our bodies to someone else's. But there's never been a time in history where girls have been able to look through their phones and compare their bodies with photoshopped images. So it's just how all these issues are interplaying with social media, even their social lives. I mean, disrespect has been around forever, hasn't it? I mean, we remember giving our parents... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, now they can make their social plans behind our backs. And it's a changing day and a changing dynamic. And I think the, the age of technology has just changed our relationship with our kids so very much. And I think that was the focus of the book is how, how all these normal issues have really just upped and changed and how we need to um, react differently and respond differently because of that. That's excellent. And the name of your book again is? Parenting Teenage Girls, but in the age of a new normal. Ah, so, <laughs> yes. The concept that every... I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely something that we need some assistance in, is how to parent in, in this, this new age of, of, I guess, life in our culture. <laughs> um, in the book, I mean, do you give, pra you give practical advice and tips then for parents of how they can address these areas? Because, I mean, you nailed the, the, the issues on the head, you know, from what we see from the moms in our group. I mean, our group has, you know, over 1,400 moms in it. So, you know, the issues, like you said, it's a reoccurring thing. We see them over and over again. And, of course, moms come in there when they're unfortunately in that acute situation and need help immediately. But we yeah. try to, you know, bring interviews like this to everybody so that, you know, we can kind of be prepared for the, the moms that have just pre-teenage girls, um, you know, what might be ahead and how to be ready and armed and equipped with the right yeah. tools of how to address them when they come instead of being in that reactive mode. So are, mean, does your book contain a lot of those tips? Mm, Pre-teens are fast becoming my favorite little um, age group to work with. And I find that preteen mums are just so motivated because they're looking at the stats. Um, there's 80 articles, researched articles in the book. So it's giving parents up-to-date statistics of what their kids are facing in high school. It's also got 40 practical parenting strategies. So in each one of those topics, I've got eight practical parenting strategies in response to that. So I've got a chapter giving my oversights and thoughts on each of those topics, but then I'm like, okay, parents, here's eight strategies, exactly how um, I think some, like of my top eight strategies of how to respond to, to young people to make the best difference. Because this, I think if we respond the way our parents responded, we really run the risk of missing the mark with this generation. Mm -hmm. I think we could just... Um, default to what our parents did and because it's such a different day and age we can just be slightly missing the mark mm -hmm. yeah that that's that's true I think we that I think it is just a very slight tweak that we need to make as parents and I think yeah. the biggest thing that I've just kind of noticed on my own research and you mentioned it was social media the body image and the comparison mm -hmm. um, and then going for the, the popular vote basically you know how many likes can you get on, on an image oh. there you know, yes. that comparison, I mean, it was, it was so prevalent when we were growing up, but it's even more so these days. And I love the work of Brene Brown, um, just teaching, you know, about being brave and being vulnerable. And also she has one of her books I remember reading, she had a line in there and asked the question of what's wrong with just being 
average and normal? <laughs> Why do we always have to try to one up ourselves? And I think that whole comparison due to social media is contributes it. So how would you, you know, address that with parents? What can we do to kind of, you know, reassure our kids, even though, you know, they're, we tell them that, you know, they're beautiful, they're smart, they're funny, just as they are, you know, they don't need to compare. But, you know, they hear it from their friends, they see it from their friends. So that social pressure, that peer pressure jumps just amongst her, their, you know, their schoolmates, let alone what they're being bombarded with um, through social media. What suggestion can you give to us parents um, to, to kind of help us navigate that? You've brought up Brené Brown, so should we just go on that theme a minute? Yeah. Sure. yeah is, I mean, she's just the master, so let's just go with that. But I get the opportunity to talk to a lot of girls in high schools around friendship dramas and body image and comparison. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes I do use from Brené Brown is, to truly belong to yourself, you have to be prepared to stand alone. And it really hits the head on this whole issue of comparisons. And I believe there's these standalone moments for our teenage girls and you watch them. It might be, oh, no, I don't really want to go to that party. I think I'll just stay home tonight, Mum. Or it might be, no, you know what, everyone else is wearing that, but you know what, I'm, I'm not going to buy one of those. I, I just I want to dress the way I want to dress. And it's these points of maturity in our girls' lives where they realise that following the pack is maybe not all that and they're prepared to take the risk to actually stand alone. And during those times, I think mums shouldn't make like this big fuss and bring out the pom-poms and go, woohoo, you know, because I think we tend to do that as mums, don't we? We go, yes, she's coming of age, she's not following the pack, she's making up her own mind. But I think we play it really low-key but inside of ourselves, we just need to have that little moment and go, I see that she's becoming a young woman. And I think the difference between girls and women is often self-confidence. And we, when we see these flickers going off in our girls where they're um, able to think for themselves or they're able to make these decisions for themselves apart from the pack, we can really see them maturing. I think what we need to watch in our girls as well is this obsession with becoming like everyone else or like a celebrity or um, comparing themselves to everyone else in such a way that they're not prepared to ever stand alone and they're morphing into the pack. Because that to me is those moments where they're losing themselves and losing their strength. And courage really is a quality that we need to cherish and foster in our girls because it's the number one thing they're going to need to move forward. On my Facebook page at the moment, a mum wrote into me and she's got a little six-year-old girl who's just been called fat at school. And she's like, I know her daughter's getting anxiety and doesn't want to leave her mum and she's having trouble with it. And she's saying to me, okay, Michelle, how do I do this? And I'm just about to post tomorrow, but I'm saying to her, short, sharp, snappy statements that help her regain that sense of power. A little bit of sass sometimes goes a long way with our girls. And we, we often hear the sass at home, don't we? <laughs> you yes, know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. But in public, we teach them to be polite and we teach them to use their manners. But I think we need to teach them that there's times where it's completely appropriate to be impolite and to gain that sense of kind of power. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of saying to this mum, look, short, sharp, sassy, like, stop. I'm not fat. I'm awesome. You know, and giving this little six-year-old that little control, you shouldn't be saying that. Do you think you should be saying that? 
I know I don't think you should be saying that. Do you? You know, that kind of thing. But just helping them really um, get some assertive language and gain that sense of control because our girls sometimes, they really coil back instead of standing alone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that, you know, especially with self-esteem, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, it's six years old. I mean, we think that they're still so innocent, but yet so the world is changing. They're imp- Im, you know, impacted by so many other things. So six years old to be called fat and then take that as a reflection on she's a bad person. It's, that's really, really heartbreaking as a mom to, to hear that and then just to experience that, if that you know, for that mom, for her, her own daughter. Um, building up that self-esteem come, becomes a very deliberate, I think, choice that parents need to make. Um, I know just a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed another um, expert. She's actually just wrote a, a children's book. Her name is Vanessa Rendy, and she wrote a book for geared towards children, basically, you know, six to maybe 10 years old. And it was all about, you know, self-esteem and the growth mindset and, you know, how those concepts are something that parents need to make a deliberate choice to instill and teach their children by example and the words they use. So even if just choosing for parents, you know, words like, you know, that was a really brave thing for you to do. If they do something that took a lot of courage and just to point out the positive steps. At least that's that's what I've been finding and what I'm experiencing myself. And one of the strategies in my book too is just hit and run praise. I think when they get a bit older, because they're not giving us a lot of positive feedback anymore, you know when they're little, they give you so much positive feedback. And then when they get older, they stop that. And I think as parents too, we feel uncomfortable giving them positive feedback because they roll their eyes back at us, don't they? Like when they really hit those teenage years, they're like, Oh, like, what do you know? Like, you know, and I've decided, like, I call it hit and run praise. In other words, mums, hit and run your daughter's praise. Like, hit in, come in, swoop in, give them praise and get out of there. Don't wait for their feedback. You know, and look, American culture may be slightly different. I don't know, but in Australia, kids don't take compliments as well as they did when they were little. I'm not sure if American culture is the same. But in Australia anyway, I mean, parents are like, swoop in, compliment and come out. You know, don't don't wait for the, the back chat after or the negative roll of the eyes or the whatever. Swoop in and do it multiple times a day, three to five times a day. Because the banter they experience in school is enough to deflate anybody, and we're kind of counteracting and balancing that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's it's good to also maybe make those points. I mean, you mentioned school, and I think mm-hmm. it's, as parents, it might be a nice idea to try to make those statements, those you know, fly in and then fly out. Um, you know, in the morning before they leave to school to just kind of give them a confidence boost. And then maybe, you know, at the end of school and that you, when you see them again, and then right before bedtime as a way to kind of cement that, you know, they're a good person. There are things that you're noticing about them. Um, I don't know if you, if you found that those times of days are, are good for, you know, providing that feedback to, to your child, or if you found that other times or just, you know, obviously randomly, any time of day is good. I think mixing it up with young people, so it's really unpredictable. I always end any disagreement with my children with, you know, I love you. And um, they normally roll their eyes and go, that's not the point, mum. And I always say, yeah, it is. (laughs) Because it is, isn't it? You know, the basis of anything is just connection and care for them. Yeah. Um, Their self-esteem is built on what? It's a built on attachment which means our connection and relationship with them is so important. It's built on um, 
their sense of joy and enjoyment of life, which is so important. And it's built on their sense of feeling um, like they have a sense of control and choice in their life. So everything around their life, it's really important to keep those three things intact. Um, that as they go through life and as they move through life, as they get older, that they have that feeling of that they've got a sense of control and choice of what's going on in their life, that they're taking more and more ownership of their behaviour and where their life's heading, that they feel really attached and connected. There's that not sense that disconnection, even though they're moving out a bit more, that they can always come back in and that they're loving their life and we've got to make sure they're still smiling even though they go through their ups and downs. Yep. Yep. Now let me switch gears just a little bit. I mean, we're, we're focusing so much on teenage girls. Now, obviously this group is focused on teenage girls, but what about teenage boys? I know obviously most moms has, have sons and maybe preteen sons or teenage sons. How do a lot of these things differ? I mean, do boys also have that issue with the self-esteem and the comparison? Is it similar? Or do they have their own set of issues that they deal with and that we as moms need to be um, aware of and, and ready for? Yeah, I'm writing about boys at the moment. So I'm writing the counterpart to my girls book at the moment. I was with a year 10 group of students yesterday and we were talking about body image. And I asked the boys to put up their hand if they thought they had it as tough as girls in the area of body image and whether they had the same concerns, um, you know, or they had it as tough. Um, and none of them put up their hand to say they had it as tough, which I thought was really interesting. Again, I'm in Australia, I don't know, but none of them put up their hand. Um, they said they had some concerns, but they were short-lived concerns, you know, and they could leave the house without brushing their teeth without being an issue. <laughs> you know, I think our girls take it a lot more seriously. So in some of the areas we're talking about, not as much concern, but I tell you what, as a professional, I am seeing more and more boys looking in the windows as they walk past at their arms and at their haircuts and um, being much more conscious about how they look. In their news feeds, I'm seeing more and more of them following um, like the gym sites and the muscle bodybuilding sites and the pre-body workouts and all this kind of, you know, protein powders and everything. So I do think that the boys are, are really conscious of maybe how the girls see their bodies and they're very much conscious about sometimes the banter that goes on in school. So I think it's maybe a bit of an underplayed issue for our boys. And also I wonder, you know, in that group that you were talking about, if maybe it was just something that boys just don't have the, the confidence enough to admit, you know, in the presence of their peers or an adult that that really is something that they, they think about. I, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I just wonder, you know, if, if that might be the reason why, you know, if you had done an anonymous survey, you know, just sent out, you know, through an email or something like that, if, if you might have gotten different responses from them. But um, it, it is interesting that that, you know, at least in public, they won't admit that they're as conscious, but yet you are noticing a trend, you know, behind the scenes of, of how they are really paying attention to how they appear um, and their body image. There's some very strong stereotypes when it comes to our boys, um, that they really do feel like they have to um, behave a certain way and they are very conscious about how their mates view them. And I really feel like they're at a, a bit of a language disadvantage to our boys. They really don't always have the language to express maybe how they feel during those early puberty years especially. And a lot of mums will tell me when their sons hit puberty, they see a significant decrease in their language and they go quiet for a few years. And it, it has got to do with the 
strongly their brain in their, their left hemisphere and their right hemispheres. And I know we don't have time for all that right now, but um, that you know, our boys are different. They are biologically different than our girls, and they don't always express their feelings through words. And I think we need to keep a real eye on our boys' actions. I think just being with our boys and being beside our boys and doing stuff with boys can be a real emotional support to them. I think girls love one-on-one -on -one conversations where they're talking to us like this, this, you know, we love this conversation. Whereas boys don't have the same need for it. And I, I've always laughed at moms trying to convince their sons to come to a counselling centre like it's going to be some life-changing miracle drug for them. And boys are not as convinced that putting a spotlight on their feelings is going to have the same cure that it did for their mum because they're not as comfortable with emotions and they're certainly not as comfortable with finding language for their emotions as girls are. On the whole, now there's no, on the whole. <laughs> of course, of course. So, I mean, what kind of, um, what kind of things can we do then with, with parents to kind of help connect more with boys? If they're not as much into that one-on-one -on -one, and yet, you know, you can be present with them when they're doing activities or cheering them on if they're into sports and things like that. But what other things can, can we do as moms to, to really help our teenage boys, especially during, you know, the puberty and the, the loss of the language to really identify what's going on with them? I'm going to go through a few quick things. I think um, one thing is just waking up this mind-body connection. So doing an activity with them before you want to talk to them about something serious, a bit more serious, can really help. Mm -hmm. And the, that mind-body connection, walking and talking or doing something physical before a conversation can really help stimulate this. Um, the other thing too is changing our expectations sometimes. I know a lot of mums go into their relationship with their boys hoping they're going to have the same relationship they have with their mum. And by doing that, they're always asking them, are they okay? Or delving into conversations that boys just don't have the same language to go to. So really saying to boys, um, let them lead the relationship a little bit more rather than let your expectations lead it. I think that's important as well. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is recognising their biological strengths and playing into them. I think when boys are really highly emotional or in those really heated years of puberty, I think we have to realise that their left hemisphere um, likes monotone. They don't like a lot of this kind of emotion. And I think if mums can just tone it down a little bit and try a bit more of a robotic monotone kind of approach, boys' brains don't get overstimulated and back off so quickly. So instead of going, how are you, you know, hugs, you know, it's a bit more like, how's your day? And <laughs> honestly, you will find boys will answer back. It's amazing. And it, it took me so much practice to do it with boys and, and just in my professional work, just like actually saying to boys on a one level, how, how, how's your day, how's your day? And all of a sudden I got answers. But if I would say, how, how you going? Like they'd be like, whoa, woman, what's going on? <laughs> Huge difference. Mm, mm. I love that tip. I would have, I would have never, I mean, I don't have any yeah. boys, but I would have never yeah. thought that that minor adjustment can make all, that much of a difference. So I love that tip. 
So thank you yeah. for that. And actually, I mean, I know we're running a little short on time here, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for spending time with us. You've given us so much information, um, you know, about managing our girls, the issues that, that they're going with, and especially um, the moms of, of teenage boys and preteen boys too, because they obviously have their own issues. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Um, and we'll look for your book um, that's coming out. I know you're working on that. You've got your You've got two books out there already that are published, don't you? And you know what? If any of your readers want one, they can just, do you know what I mean? Yep. Let's do something for them. I can post them, do something. You can sure. Do yeah, you will post one. Okay. Excellent. You and I can talk um, after we're this and then we can maybe figure something out, but I'll definitely link to your website where people can find you. I know you have a blog on there and um, definitely, you know, if they don't, if they want to get your book, even to gift to somebody else, maybe they have a friend or a sister or whatever that, that needs this information, you know, they, they can at least know where else to get it. So thank you so much for your time, Michelle. I really, really appreciate your, you spending some time sharing your tips and your experiences with, with me and with all of our moms. My pleasure, Michelle. You're delightful. Thank you.